You're listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show in support of European-level actions within the skeptical movement. The ESP is run by individuals representing different skeptical groups from across the continent. This is episode number 77. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Jelena Levin and Pontus Böckmann. Buon Всем привет! Hey, Sam! Hey, Sam! So, Andras, what's that? I'm in Madeira right now which belongs to Portugal, uh, hence the greeting for the evening. I hope I didn't do a bad, very bad job. Well, I that. think you did, but uh, nice p- points for trying. No, on, an, on a side note, Madeira is a really nice cake. <laughs> <laughs> and something you drink as well. Yeah, it's a very, very nice wine as well. It's a fortified wine. You have all the fun, Andras. Yeah, I do. I do, actually. Today I met a guy at a local shop, a British guy, yeah, by guy I mean an old man, and uh, he moved to Madeira a couple of years ago, and to my question, asking about what the reason was, he said, security. What? Much more secure here. And he moved there a couple of years ago, so none of the Manchester and London attacks had happened back then, and uh, yeah, we, we managed to touch on that a bit as well. It's terrible. It's terrible. My my heart goes out to, to absolutely, everyone. Absolutely, absolutely. It's it's really, uh, yeah, very, if if not impossible, to to prevent that kind of thing. Yeah, and we're talking about, of course, the if you, you know, drive vehicles into uh, people, that that's how can you stop that from happening? And it's unbelievable the mindset that people can have. Uh, that drives them towards that to 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 do that to people. It's it's just oh, yeah absolutely impossible to imagine, and it has actually um, a bit of a skeptical angle as well because uh, everywhere on the internet things pop up like crazy, like like fake photos and uh, and different stories that are absolutely lacking any kind of evidence. Mm. And uh, it's it's terrible. So it's just fake news all over the place again. And uh, yeah, just as we already talked about on the show, talked about this on the show, um, yeah, uh, it's that there has to be a, a list of things to keep an eye out for when, when you consider breaking news and everything. Mm. What else happened? Donald Trump pulling out of the the Paris Accord? Well, that oh, was expected. But but I um I have heard some, a bit of good news on on that front. Mm-hmm. So even though Donald Trump did uh, what he did, um, certain states and th- there are apparently quite a lot of states who are saying it doesn't matter what he decided. We as a state or we as a city are continuing our efforts to uh, yeah. make sure that, th- that we're reducing the um. Uh, emissions i can just imagine how angry he is about that (laughs) (laughs) Um, i think people i think people realized it's it's well it's obviously common sense because if you want to live on this planet you need to make sure it's preserved um but also now there there are a lot of jobs in a in a a green sector and uh, renewable energy and a lot of a lot of large companies corporations uh pointed that out that 
come on that's a, that's the future what are you talking about when you when you want to create jobs we are creating jobs because of that because of the new yeah. energy that the clean energy and that and everything yeah. as a requirement so what are you talking about yeah, idiot? It, it just doesn't happen uh, yeah. too, so but uh, to to keep the the european angle of things uh, i'm really proud of some of the, the european leaders who reacted to mm-hmm. to what happened and especially the new president of france he actually invited people to work to go and work in france uh if if they want to work in that sector yeah, yeah. <laughs> isn't that's that brilliant a, yeah it's good so yeah, yeah fear, fear not uh people of europe and the world <laughs> yeah it still might be okay yeah but um, um there is no reason to be concerned um about the future of skepticism because skepticism seems to be thriving Look at what's going on across Europe in terms of uh, newly announced European events. Actually, they're not newly announced because we have known about them for a while. But uh, we keep uh, reminding people and we we would like to keep reminding our listeners to to what's going to happen this year, which is the European Skeptics Congress in Wroclaw in Poland. Please go on the website euroskepticscon.org. Don't be alarmed because of uh, uh, based on the the URL. It doesn't. If you go on that, it doesn't mean that you are against Euro or the Eurozone or Europe. Um, it means you're a European skeptic. Uh, so go on the website and uh, look at the, the the program, the list of speakers and the talks. And it's a very good program. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. Please go on the website and register. Sika Fest um, is on on the 29th of September to the 1st of October and uh, it's going to be three days of unmissable events. Registration is now open and it uh, is happening in Chesena. Three days of discovery where science meets the wonder. That's what it says on their website. <laughs> yeah, and you know uh, who else you can meet there? You First at the European Skeptics Congress and then at Chikap you can, you can meet James Randi. And... If that's not enough for you, the news is he's actually in Europe almost around the time when this show goes out. Well, on the 16th of June, he will be in Zurich, uh, in Switzerland, to um, uh, screen his uh, film, or the film about him, An Honest Liar. Mm -hmm. This will be on a a festival called Spectaculi 2017. Uh, It's a cabaret and entertainment festival, so it's not really a... It's not focused on skepticism or even science, but he will be there. Uh, and I would definitely be there if I was anywhere near uh, Zurich. Uh, but uh, as I said, we will meet him in uh, Poland instead in September. And uh, then maybe in Czesena in, for the Cheekup Fest. Yeah. By the way, on the Cheekup Fest, uh, even Susan Gerbic will give a talk. Mm. And I, I'm really considering attending that as well because uh, the the program seems absolutely amazing. Uh, not be, not only because of the amazing Randy attending, uh, but uh, but the topics and the speakers, the lineup of speakers, it's it's brilliant. So it seems like three days of fun, and it's a quite reasonable price as well. Great stuff! So you can actually spend uh, summer cruising around Europe. <laughs> hopping from yeah. one conference to another if being self-employed has advantages is uh, is this yeah i'm, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this is one of those 
Yeah, and if that uh, if those events are not enough for you, we have of course the events in Europe page on our uh, web page where you can see all the events that are going on uh, all the time. Skeptics in the pub and other things. Go there and be inspired. And if you're traveling somewhere in in Europe and you say, okay, I'm gonna be in that region that time, look in the calendar and see if there isn't a skeptics in the pub uh, when you're going to get there because chances are you will uh, you can meet other fellow skeptics do that yep and if you uh, want to let us know about something that you organize or uh, you know is happening and is not on our calendar uh, then please contact us or do that if you just want to share your ideas uh, suggestions or uh, criticism with us uh, yeah. it's more than welcome and you can do that um, via various channels so uh, we've got a Twitter account our Twitter handle is at espodcast underscore EU you can email us email address address is info at the ESP.eu um, you can also like us on Facebook um, and uh, if you go on our website uh, which is the esp.eu you can fill in the contact form and also please um if you get our podcast via itunes leave us a good review there and uh, spread the word Mm. and if you're there and you click on the donate button don't be alarmed if the login to paypal is still in swedish uh there's some sort of bug there that we can't get uh, rid of but it is legit so you can still log in and, and send us a few euros if you would that would be much appreciated. Yeah, let me just uh, mention that uh, we have received another larger than usual amount of donation. So thank you very much for that. Thanks a lot. Much yeah. appreciated. Thank you, guys. Okay, all of that means that uh, we seem to be ready to kick off the show. And as usual, we're going to do it with the first segment, This Week in Skepticism, presented by Yelena. I would like to talk today about somebody who died this week uh, on the 15th of June in 1941, aged 65. And uh, that person was Evelyn Underhill, um, an English Anglo-Catholic writer and pacifist, also known for her numerous works on religion and spiritual practice. Somebody told me that Evelyn Underhill sounds like a Hobbit name. Well, I don't know about that. Yes, it does. (laughs) Okay. <laughs> it wasn't me because you know I'm not. Uh, You're not that familiar. Geeky. I'm not familiar with the um, things like that. But anyway, so there you go. I've never personally heard of her, about her, but she's got. Uh, she seemed to have had a, a big influence on mystics around the world um, at the beginning of 1900s. She's written 20 over 25 books. Uh, on various subjects, actually, not just um, about mysticism, um, but some novels um, and uh, historic uh, writings. And um, she has um, been very religious all her life. And actually, when I was reading about her, I was, you know, this word mysticism keeps popping up again and again and again. And, and I don't actually, I th- used to think it's something to do with magic or what, or something. I don't know. But it's not. It's nothing to do well. I don't know, now maybe it does, but uh, in technical terms, mysticism apparently um, is popularly known as becoming one with God or the absolute, 
but also may refer to the kind of ecstasy or altered state of consciousness, uh, which is given in a religious or spiritual meaning. So, um, and obviously through her life, she was trying to uh, achieve that. She she was, uh, like I said, very religious and she wanted to be one with God. Um, she One of her biggest writings was this huge book called Mysticism, 500 pages big and um, it describes the way one could achieve the state of oneness without with... her actually having achieved it well we don't know we don't know i think maybe she has it i haven't okay. i haven't seen any claims that she but that, hasn't but yeah but she hadn't achieved it at the time of writing the book did she <laughs> So... Well, I'm, that's, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not quite sure about that. But, um, okay. um, Just asking. She, yeah, no, I wouldn't, um, I wouldn't, <laughs> wouldn't be qualified to answer that question. But um, what was interesting uh, through probably her experience um, or her, well, I'm saying through her experience. Well, that's, that's true. Yes. Well, things that she thought she experienced or heard or seen. She arrived at this conclusion that there are several steps to achieving um, this state. Um, and some of the steps will include awakening um, to the world and understanding that one is a citizen of a much larger universe. Purification. So uh, when you rid yourself from the veils and abstractions of the ordinary unexamined life. Uh, illumination so everything around you is beautiful and lovely and covered in light um, I wasn't so keen on voices and visions so apparently when you start hearing and seeing things not just what in real physical world but other rea realities and other dimensions and you you should you encourage to interact with those voices and visions uh, and beings um, and then you get to through ecstasy and rapture you you get to that state of um, unity of life where you exist in a state of union with one reality or God uh, in her uh, words and so what I found interesting look that our desire to kind of go outside of our mind and, and find something more and something else to our life is of course a very uh, human thing and uh, we've been doing it for, for hundreds of thousands of years and, and, and uh, the religion of course is one uh, byproduct of this uh, but actually quite a lot of it um, kind of resonated with me because of um, uh, the same benefit that meditation practice can give one and specifically the uh, mindfulness meditation when one becomes aware of the um, surroundings and kind of stops in the moment and appreciates uh, everything else but it doesn't have to be religious or it doesn't have to be tied to any uh, god it, it's just something that one can train within oneself and um, I certainly welcome that much more than um anything else um but in her own way she was just trying to explore the the mind and and uh, possibilities of the mind and um had apparently left a massive legacy to mystics around the world um and as i am not familiar with any unfortunately uh, I, I wouldn't be able to comment on on the on the legacy so yes um 
if she was aware of the latest discoveries in science um, that um, relate to uh, mind and brain and the function of brain and how it works, she probably would have known that all that she'd experienced in her life, all these uh, feelings and um, ecstasy, etc. states, that they are explainable by things other than uh, divine and God and um, outside of this reality. Um, but uh, like she, like unfortunately, she lived at the beginning of the century, and those things weren't discovered. But now we know so much more about it. And uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, so people, if you start hearing voices in your head telling you to do things, uh, you should uh, probably <laughs> get some help rather than live them out. Yeah, I certainly think it shouldn't be encouraged because that's quite well dangerous, obviously. <laughs> but yeah. And it wouldn't be a good path to any sort of spiritual awakening. <laughs> Probably not. No. no. So that's me. Thank oh, you. That's, that's Evelyn Underhill, actually. <laughs> <laughs> You're not a mysticist yourself, okay? No, I'm not. Um, I'm not sitting here trying to enlighten myself. Although I should probably meditate more often. That's for sure. Mm. Yeah, since I've got my uh, my Apple Watch, I'm constantly reminded to to breathe. Oh, interesting. Yeah, good. In yeah, case you is... would forget. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so <laughs> it really feels good <laughs> to be taken that good care of. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much, Helena. All right. We are moving on to covering news items from across Europe in the field of skepticism. All right, let's start out with some uh, justified criticism of the BMJ, which is originally <laughs> the British Medical Journal, but now known only as the, the BMJ. It's one of the world's oldest and most prestigious peer-reviewed medical journals. But unfortunately, they have lately published two very dubious studies which promote quackery. One is called Management of Chronic Pain Using Complementary and Integrative Medicine. And the other is called Complementary Health Approaches for Chronic Pain, What the Science Says. Uh, apparently, reading, uh, well, if you read that, uh, apparently there's not, uh, not everybody agrees on the science there. This is very worrying, especially the, the use of the term integrative medicine, because that claims to include both science-based medicine and alternative and tr or traditional treatments. And that makes it seem so much bigger and better in in inclusive than just the science-based medicine. Uh, but the thing is that those so-called alternatives should not be regarded as treatments until they have been proven to work. And when they do so, they are no longer alternative because then they're real medicine. So there's no point in this term, integrative medicine. It's either medicine or it's not. And this, of course, have been brilliantly pointed out by several skeptics uh, who wrote about uh, these two articles. And they are much more qualified uh, than, than we are. So uh, we will link to the blogs of Edsard Ernst and to David Gorski at Science Based Medicine. And I'm glad they call uh, this out for what it is. But of course, it's still worrying that the BMJ can let such things through their vetting process. And that was actually the UK. And now we're moving on to Italy. 
we're going to cover a couple of couple of countries again this time this week. Well, what's the harm in using or recommending homeopathy? We we are constantly being asked uh, by by others um, or mostly supporters of this. Well, unfortunately, seven year old Fran- Francesco in Cagliari, Italy, won't be able to tell you for sure because uh, now he's dead after having been treated uh, by a homeopath for encephalitis. Um, There are two things now being investigated about this case. Uh, First, whether he actually had encephalitis or it was some other condition that killed this boy. Uh, Dr. Mauro Pesaresi, uh, the medical examiner who conducted the autopsy, said it would take at least 15 days to have all the results of histological and immunohistochemical analyses. but it seems well established that the cause of death was an irreversible shutdown of his brain functions. So even if it wasn't encephalitis per se, uh, it was some kind of a terrible condition. And the other thing that is being investigated is what homeopathic remedies Massimiliano Mecozzi, the, the homeopath, who's an actual doctor, uh, treating little Francesco, was using. Um the, the lawyer of the homeopath seems to have stated that her client was a broken man after his he, uh, this this case. Um, well, treating something, even if it wasn't encephalitis, something serious enough to stop someone's brain from working properly with homeopathy, homeopathy is something so blatantly silly that the man should really feel broken over it. Uh, and, and that's just probably me being very mean about it but 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 this is how i feel what's more i would say it is only fair that he gets expelled from the order of doctors because he's a he's he's a bloody physician come on um and and even sentenced uh to to prison over it because that is basically murder i might be overreacting but but one should take responsibility for their actions or the lack thereof especially when they are a medical doctor yeah he should know better yeah, absolutely. Because the, the parents, actually, both the parents and the doctor can, can end up being charged for mis- manslaughter in this case. I would say, uh, I, I don't necessarily agree with uh, charging the parents, as what they did was they trusted the doctor. Yeah. They, they trusted someone with a medical degree uh, to know better than they do. And that was obviously a mistake, but I don't think as a mistake it's as terrible as what the doctor did that man treating the boy was was an in- incompetent wanker a, a terrible excuse for a medical doctor actually <laughs> obviously none of them is willing to talk to the press now uh so the investigation is going on and the press is trying to figure out what's what's happening but uh not much can be known at this stage but uh by the time of the next episode the next segmented episode we might be able to to tell you more about this and this is not the first time this madness happens that's the other thing about Mm. it somewhere in the world uh, some some other quack is is doing the same thing and and we should put an end to this and uh, this is why i i do think that uh that the power of the law should justice should be brought about so we're staying um in italy still Mm mm-hmm 
where they are fighting um, anti-vaccination propaganda. Mm -hmm. So Italy makes 12 vaccines uh, mandatory for the school children in an attempt to uh, combat the anti-scientific theories that's been spreading around um, like wildfire uh, recently. Um, And of course, that's after the measles outbreak um, that we have reported on. Previously, mm-hmm. um, so when kids start dying, then the, the governments finally get their, their shit together. There, there, there has been an intense public debate over vaccines uh, after the measles outbreak. And so Paolo Gentiloni, who is the Italian prime, uh, premier, told a news conference that the new rules aimed to combat anti-scientific theories um, and that uh, have lowered Italy's vaccination rates in recent years. Um, now, the certificate, certification will be required um, every year, so the children will not be accepted into nursery or preschool without proof of vaccination, um, while parents of children legally obliged to attend school will face hefty fines for non-compliance, which, is, which I like because it's not mm-hmm. just you know, that they have to do it, but if, they're not, if they haven't done it, they'll be fined. So, great positive step. Um, into the right direction for some kids obviously it's a little too late but hopefully that will save many other kids lives in italy if you remember uh, we talked about measles way back i think it was in march or or something we looked at uh, the measles statistics for for europe Uh, italy was the second uh, highest country in in uh, measles cases Uh, and so so they need to do something and i'm glad they they're stepping up Okay, I'm I'm gonna try to 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 draw a very nice trend here in terms of topics. So uh, we are elevating the spirit of of what we're talking about because uh, yeah, the new kind of legislation regarding the vaccinations that's a good, very positive thing to move forward with. But there is another thing, um, a very prestigious prize that is called the Galileo Prize which uh, has been awarded by uh, a very distinguished uh, body since 2007. And uh, it, is, it goes to uh, someone who's done a lot in the uh, public th- publicization and the public understanding of science. Actually, what's very interesting in this is that there is a, a two-phase kind of um, selection process and uh, it's and this is this is how the the winners of the prize usually are really the top of the top um, in terms of uh, science communication. So this time, this year, uh, where the the Galileo Prize was um, awarded uh, in May, um, it happened to Guido Tonelli who does have a Wikipedia article, actually, because he is a physicist um, and uh, he did uh, very important work in uh, uh, the discovery of the Higgs boson. And he he wrote several books, um, the the latest of which uh, actually got him to uh, win the prize. It's uh, in Italian and uh, the title is La nascita imperfetta delle cose, um, it translates to the imperfect birth of things, and uh, it it goes into how weird things can emerge out of uh, the the science of physics these days. So it, it must be pretty interesting. 
I would imagine that it's not necessarily the easiest to understand. I sometimes I even struggle with uh, books of uh, Stephen Hawking's, but yeah, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but um, yeah. I don't think you mentioned who who awarded who handed out the prize. You only said they were very distinguished. Oh yeah, uh, the prize was actually handed out by none other than Massimo Polidoro, who's uh, the the chairman of uh, the Italian skeptical organization Cheekup. And the award ceremony is actually on YouTube, so uh, I will post the link on the show notes. And uh, for those of you who understand Italian, you can enjoy and listen to it. There are actually a couple of very interesting talks and chats as well, so it's it's worth uh, having a look. Just a quick um, run th- through the Germany uh, situation in Germany about uh, vaccination. Um, they planning um, to fine um, those parents who haven't vaccinated their kids, which is a step in the right direction. Fines up to 2,500 euros, which is $2,800. And the prior, their, their health minister is saying that it's necessary to tighten the law because of the measles epidemic as well. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, spreading across Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, apparently, as uh, a mother of three died recently of the measles, um in the city of Essen so the government now wants kindergartens to report any parents who cannot prove they have had a, a medical consultation um but they haven't made it an offense to refuse vaccination yet so like i said the fine is, is a step in the right direction but they have to make it mandatory just like it did which i think is a um going to be a logical next step hopefully mm-hmm yeah, we we do welcome this step. It's pretty good. Well done, Germany. That's the way to way to go. <laughs> All right, then we turn to Spain, uh, where uh, the uh, Spanish skeptics, the ARP, have uh, done something very interesting. They are together with uh, uh, some companies and some universities, offering a course uh, on uh, uh, the information age and the problems with the social media when it comes to pseudoscience and the interesting thing with this course is that it actually uh, counts as um, how do you say that uh, it, it's a merit in the in in your university studies so it gives you points or credits mm-hmm. to towards a university degree and that's very interesting i think that's that's a good way for skeptics to to really contribute and it's uh, it's also a very cheap course to to attend it's only 30 euros to do so uh, well done uh, ARP yeah yay i am very excited about the next little bit of news i, I want to quickly talk about um and it is it came from our friends at in comtep the portuguese skeptic society um they are publishing a book that called Do Not Be Fooled. This book is a result of collaboration of four authors, uh, one of whom we interviewed on our show is Diana Barbosa. And um, the uh, four guys worked on it together and it's very much the uh, fruit of their um, work that they've been doing with this concept um, Portuguese society for a while. So they, they cover various issues uh, in the book that uh, relate to alternative facts, the misinformation, um, the uh, 
alternative medicine, etc. And they weigh in on science and health news and how uh, those topics are covered by the media. Um, So this book is written in Portuguese and it it is for for, Portuguese. people of Portugal. Um, I'm not sure if, the, if there are any plans to, to, to translate it into English, um, but I just want to say very well done, guys, on making uh, making this book a reality. And um, I hope it, it is a very successful one. Um, it certainly comes in a time when um, it's needed the most, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, and keep us posted as to what the uh, re- review is going to be like and the response to the book. Mm. Very good. Another example of, of good skeptical activism. Yeah. And I don't think any of those people were writers before, so they just kind of got together and they, and they did it and they were passionate about the subject um, and it happened. Mm. Great. Yeah. That's a good example of uh, what you can do yeah. if you really dedicate your time and energy to it. Correct. All right, sorry to bring the mood down a bit after a couple of very good news. Uh, From Belgium comes another tragic uh, story. As you know, self-diagnosing yourself as gluten intolerant uh, is something uh, quite the rage nowadays. Uh, So much so that it's actually a booming business to supply and sell gluten-free food. I know that some people are really sensitive to this if they have the celiac disease, but but it's spreading to people who are perfectly healthy. And it could be seen as as pretty harmless, but this story shows how it can be really a deadly misconception. Uh, In Belgium, a young child was recently starved to death by his parents, who were convinced that he was both gluten and lactose intolerant. And that, you know, I don't know if the boy had a problem, but instead of seeking any medical help, they tried to feed him uh, quinoa milk and other natural foods, uh, which led that to that the boy weighed just over four kilos at seven months of age when he died. And the autopsy revealed that his stomach was completely empty. Uh, to me, this shows that this homemade fads when it comes to diets is is far from harmless, especially when parents think that they know better than real doctors. This is really, really a terrible news. Oh, God. It's heartbreaking. Absolutely heartbreaking. Sorry for bringing you down, but... Mm. Mm. But I think people should... Look, when when you're an adult and and you want to eat spinach like seven days a week, you know, please, by all means, go ahead and do it. But when babies who don't have a choice or a say in the matter or any idea of what's good for them being, you know, mm. treated that way, it's just beyond. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um I just recently came uh, came across um, an article on uh, science based medicine uh, that was talking about how different quacks and uh, different alternative uh, ideas and methods uh, not not only to medicine but uh, to uh, living a healthy life and stuff um, come together and and attack everyone through their kids as well and especially if you get the attention of the kid and uh, get a parent to to raise a kid into this this plethora of of bs uh then you have a new customer Mm -hmm. because that's how they were they were brought up 
Yeah, but you should, we should remember also that a lot of these practitioners really believe in what they're doing. And it's very hard to yeah. separate the, the fraudsters from the true believers. But it's terrible just the same. Yeah, and it's, it comes partly with the democratization of knowledge as well. Because uh, most of these ideas... Uh, because if, if you go to a quack who tells you something that is not so, that is not true, and medically doesn't doesn't make any sense, then whose fault it, it is? So we just discussed it uh, over the the other topic uh, about the, the Italian boy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, then it's, it's quite obvious who is there to blame in a way, um, at, at least professionally speaking. But when it's something that that's being spread on blogs and on Facebook groups uh, for different discussion groups, as um, a kind of a democratic way of of spreading information uh, among all these people, not even knowing what they're talking about, uh, let alone being being actual professionals, then who are who, who is there to blame? So then, who can be held responsible for that? Well, I think you still have to be held responsible, even if you do it in good faith, because you should mm. know better than, than claiming to be an expert when you don't have a proper yeah. doctor's degree. And sometimes even a doctor's yeah. degree doesn't help. We, we talked about that just before. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 There would have been um, a, another news item, but I think it slipped through the net and it ended up in a different segment that uh, Pontus will cover. <laughs> yeah. uh, can't, can't wait to hear about that. Uh, so that means that we are at the end of the, our segment discussing several news items. All that means that we are ready to move on to the, the other segment where we learn how wrong or right someone has been lately. In Europe. Pontus. Not long ago, I talked about the blasphemy laws in Europe in connection with uh, that Stephen Fry was investigated for an interview he did. And uh, nothing really came out of that. But uh, And that was in uh, on episode 73, if you want to look it up. But when I mentioned that, I, I, I listed three European countries with some form of anti-blasphemy laws which is actually a shocking number for our secular part of the globe, I think. <laughs> so, but I'm very pleased that the Danish lawmakers apparently listened to the show because they just recently repealed the, the blasphemy law in Denmark. So we're down to 12. So who, who says we can't make a difference? Uh, Denmark is now off this shameful list uh, of countries with blasphemy laws. And it is... Um, uh, and it's finally quite legal in Denmark to, well, I don't know, maybe draw pictures of Muhammad and publishing them in papers over there. Have you? Uh, do you get that reference, or, or do you, are you too young to remember? <laughs> for the, for those who don't know, this was quite a thing uh, in two thousand and five, and it led to a fatwa and death threats yep. and all kinds of nasty things. And the whole business has its own Wikipedia page, which we can we can link to. Um, I think it even included boycott of cheese. It was really, uh, you know, <laughs> really serious matters. Well, I, I don't think, to be honest, drawing pictures of Muhammad would have gone any better today. But at least there's no legal problem anymore with doing it in Denmark. So for joining the Netherlands and Iceland, who recently did the same thing, 
I welcome Denmark among the countries where it's now quite legal to blaspheme. And for that, uh, Denmark gets today's prize for being really right. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Well done. It is definitely an example to follow yeah. by others. An example <laughs> that should be followed by Austria, Finland, France, Germany, Greece, Ireland, Italy, Malta, Poland, Switzerland, Turkey and the UK. So we're not quite there yet. There are still <laughs> blasphemy laws in those countries. So come on, guys. Yep. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Make those necessary changes, please, as soon as possible. Yeah. Thank you. And thank, thank you, Pontus, as well, mm-hmm. for uh, mentioning this. Good. Let's see if uh, any of our skeptical friends have something to say and share with our listeners. And we'll be back to wrap up the show. Hello, dear skeptical friends. This is Claire Kleinberg, co-organizer of the European Skeptics Congress 2017. This year, the Congress will be held in Wroclaw, Poland on September 22nd to 24th, and it is my absolute pleasure to invite you to attend. Come and listen to talks by James Randi, Susan Gerbic, Mark Linnis, Susan Blackmore, Scott Lilienfeld, and others. Discuss topics like science and religion, pseudoscience and media, paranormal investigation, and more. To buy a ticket and to get more information about the Congress, go to euroskepticscon.org or find us on Facebook. See you there! It never ends. A friend starts talking about his new Reiki master, and someone else just posted about another all-natural cancer cure that they don't want you to know about. As skeptics, we dedicate a lot of time trying to protect those around us. But there's a way that you can reach millions. Guerrilla Skepticism on Wikipedia is a group that is working to keep the best skeptical information at everyone's fingertips in all languages. Join us. Training is self-paced and fun, and we have our very own super-secret Facebook group. You will be educating the world in your sleep. To find out more, email us at gsowteam at gmail.com Gorilla Skepticism The time is now Music by bensound.com Alright, as usual we will close the show with a quote selected by Yelena uh, Today's quote, um, I have a quote from Victor Hugo who was a French poet, novelist and dramatist He said Science says the first word on everything and the last word on nothing. So this is a very short but to the point, you guys. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yes. yes, Pretty deep, yeah. Very good. Smart guy. (laughs) Especially when you compare it to his major works, uh, especially uh, Les Miserables. Mm. Which is very well known. I'm going to see the Les Miserables. It's pretty fucking long. And uh, yeah, you, <laughs> and wouldn't, you, wouldn't just, <laughs> you wouldn't think the author of that book can uh, can wrap things up so nicely. And uh, yeah, <laughs> well, <laughs> but it's a good book. Thank you very much. <laughs> and uh, indeed, I'd like to thank both of you for joining me today, Yelena and Pontus. Thanks, guys. Thank you. And until next week, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at the ESP.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes, as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know, as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Kisha J. Gray and George Schraub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at www.theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Boo! <laughs> Go Andres, tell them. Yeah, I'm telling them. I'm really telling them. Okay. And you can do that uh, by tweeting uh, if you follow, if you're following Twitter. If you, and you can do that by tweeting. <laughs> <laughs> Not long ago, I talked about blasphemy. 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 Oh, is that the name of someone's? The blasphemy loss. <laughs> Is it a is it a um, Swedish word? <laughs> no, it is now. So nice. It is now. Okay. okay.